Welcome to the Real Estate Investing Club. This is the place everyday real estate investors gather to share their best stories, biggest insights, and favorite tactics to grow a portfolio of cash-flowing properties in today's market. Here's your host, Gabe Peterson. All right. Good morning, afternoon, night to everybody. It is a new episode of the Real Estate Investing Club today. Um, June 9th is when we're recording this. So I hope you guys are having an absolutely fantastic day whenever you're listening. Today is a special event. We, we got Michael Elefante with us from B&B Investor Academy. We've had a string of short-term guys on the podcast, which is great because we're heading into the summer months. And this is when people love those short-term rentals. So I am super excited to have him on here. Michael, thank you very much for hopping on the show. Yes, sir. Gay, appreciate you having me. Looking forward to it. Absolutely. Uh, I told you before we got on here, we like stories. We like to hear how people got to where they are. So why don't you take us to the beginning of your story? How'd you get started in real estate? Yeah, for sure. So I'm 30 years old today. Um, just to go back to, to the beginning to set the stage a little bit, I was a college athlete. I played baseball through college. And once that career came to a screaming halt, I was just like, I don't even know what to do, right? Because you have one passion that you live and breathe every day for so many years. Once that turned off for me, I had to figure out what I was going to do next. So like a lot of young people, I was 23 years old and got an entry-level sales job, just cold calling for a tech company, had no idea what I was even <laughs> setting up appointments for to ultimately have you know uh, sales reps sell to clients. And um, man, I just got, I felt burnout fast. And I was like, I don't know how people do this. So I was like, you know, maybe it'll get better. I'll get a promotion. I'll change jobs. You know, it'll get better once I make this amount of money, right? I'm at this level. And I quickly came to find out that once you do go up the ladder, because I got a promotion, changed jobs twice because I was focused on my income, started to make pretty good income at a young age. I just realized that I didn't become any happier. Mm -hmm. So it became that point in time, I discovered the, the whole term or theme of financial freedom. Um, of, to, of really like true unilateral control of your time, time freedom. So I want to have the income, but not have to go trade my time for that money. Um, be able to do what I want, when I want, with whom I want. So my wife and I were both very on board with that um, idea. So we started to learn more about real estate. Uh, and this is back in 2017, 2018, started to just dive into books, to YouTube, to podcasts. And I didn't really know which route to go. I was like wholesaling, long-term, multifamily learn more about short-term rentals. I lived in Dallas, then Austin, then Nashville. So mm. three pretty popular growing cities, a lot of tourism, especially Austin and Nashville. Um, so long story short, we when I changed jobs and we moved from Austin to Nashville, we stayed in an Airbnb in downtown. And I just started to do the numbers on what we were paying per night for a very average little apartment or townhome and what their mortgage probably is and how much cash flow they're probably making. And so for me, it just like it was tangible, like real estate. You know, You could see it, touch it, feel it. And it was simple for me. I could see this is how much I could run it out for. These are my expenses, mortgage this is how much I can make. And I was like, that was the aha moment. I was like, if this, if these numbers are right, I'm all in. So we saved up a little bit more, um, got our first short-term rental in Nashville, Tennessee at the end of 2019. And by like the third month, we were set to cash flow around seven grand on a Ooh. single property. So I was like, holy <laughs> shit, this is crazy. Um, so at that point in time, I was, was like, that, all sorry, in. I'm going to jump in here at seven grand. That I mean that that is surprising to me for a for a single yeah. property a single short term was that one house or is that one house one, one house one four bed three and a half bath and an okay part of town about ten minutes to downtown and and I'll tell you why it, it kind of we almost accidentally we knew 
a little bit of what we were doing based on the research, but we wanted to sell on the experience that mm. someone was getting in Nashville. Mm-hmm. If you go downtown, there's bachelorette galore nonstop. Yeah. Oh yeah. And I, <laughs> I actually um, went to uh, Nashville for the first time. I think it was like two or three years ago and we went down. Um, I can't remember the name of the yeah, street, Broadway. The main one there. Yeah. Oh, yeah and Broadway. I swear to God, I saw like 10 bachelor part, bachelorette parties just going down the street. I was like, wow, this is uh, it's pretty Man, crazy. They go, they go all out. And I was like, okay, that's really cool. And what I like about that is it's a one, it's for most people, right? The majority of people, it's a one-time event in your life mm. where you have like your best friends and you're celebrating your bachelorette party or, you know, the last single weekend, whatever, um, of what it's supposed to, to mean. And people are willing to spend a lot more money for that experience and the memory versus just a regular vacation is certainly more than just what they would pay for rent and an apartment to live in. So I was like, okay, how can we cater to bachelorette parties? So around Nashville, if you guys have ever been there, if you ever go in the future, you'll notice, and a lot of big cities are kind of doing this as well, but Nashville is very big on murals and interactive mm-hmm. murals. And a couple celebrities started taking pictures in front of the ones with big wings on sides of buildings. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I've seen those. Yeah. yeah. And it, made, it they became famous. So I would drive around and I would just joke with my wife. I'm like, who in their right mind is going to go to Nashville, Tennessee for a weekend and wait hours on a Saturday morning to take one photo? But clearly hundreds of people were. I mean, I'm talking like like a hundred people waiting in line around a block. And so I was like, what if we can bring that experience inside? So we hired a mural artist, 2,500 bucks, painted a beautiful mural of these colorful butterfly wings, called it Butterfly B&B with Nashville written above it. And sure enough, it, it hit off. Soon as bachelorette season came in, which is like March through October, that's when we had all those big bookings. So we were renting like almost 2X what our neighbors were renting at. And we had every weekend booked like months in advance. So it was crazy. Now, the only caveat to the story, which... You know, it's kind of a gut punch, but still like really panned out well long term was COVID came. So we had like yeah. 40 grand in cancellations in a week. Oh, man. And Airbnb really screwed the host. Not happy with that. Um, but they overrode cancellation policies. I, I guess no one knew what to do at that time. I was probably a little more optimistic with the whole COVID situation. So my wife and I liquidated our retirement accounts. We're like, we want the next one. We we're all out of money. I actually sold my truck to furnish the first one because I didn't realize how much it cost <laughs> to furnish a whole house. Right. All hindsight, right? We just dove in and learned as we went. Um, but the second one, we sold. I liquidated my retirement account, my 401k, my wife with her IRA, and we got the second one. And we closed the week the first COVID case came to the US. Oh. Um, yeah. So it was like March, right? After, right? Yeah, March yeah, 2020. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So I was right like when those other cancellations were happening, we're like, this is crazy. I don't know. Um, so long story short, now a couple of years later, we have seven properties. Um, they'll do between one, probably around 1.2 million in revenue, which is seven. Um, and our cash flow, like our net margins on that are typically 40, 40 to 45%. And that's after doing a couple of cash out refis to help accelerate our investment journey. Um, and we really try and sell on the experience. And honestly, we can get into this as much as you want today, Gabe, but that that's like the key with with Airbnb and short-term rentals is people want the experience and that's what they're willing to pay more for. And at the end of the day, it's like any business. You want to compete on value, not on price. Um, because if you compete on price, the more competitive it gets, more supply goes up. It's just a race to the bottom. So that's what you know I've done and what we do uh, at, at the BNB Investor Academy, which is my coaching program. We really just focus on that and on the data in any marketplace to try and find the best opportunities in a given market. Nice, man. I love it. That is a, that's a good story. And I love... Um... I love how you guys kind of, I mean, it's, it's tough when you have to liquidate things, you have to sell things in order to move your, your business along, but it's something that I can relate to. I did the same thing. I liquidated my, uh, my 401k when I got into real estate to buy my first duplex. Um, 
So I totally get it. It must have been scary, but it worked out for you. I love that. Uh, so let's dive into the nitty gritty of short-term rentals. I feel like short-term rentals are, it's a really good first investment, or if you really want to like create revenue for your company, for your, um, you know, for your family, short-term rentals are a really good solution to that. Um, obviously there's more involved in them, but they, the, I mean, you're talking about it, the $7,000 per month, you're not going to get on a long-term rental, um, even commercial properties. That's hard to find, uh, in the lower price point area. So, um, but that really comes down to finding a good property and then making it desirable for the people that are out there looking for properties. So let's start with the beginning. Um, it all comes down to finding a good property. That's the first decision you have to make. What do you do to to really identify those good uh, single family, you know, condos, whatever that uh, you feel like are going to be good short term rental potentials? Yeah, I feel like a lot of people try and overcomplicate this, but the, what's cool about today is the data is there in every market in the world. Mm-hmm. Leveraging sites like AirDNA or Airbitix or Mash Pfizer, there's a ton of different sites now that gather that information through. I don't know if it's an API hook or whatever it is through Airbnb and Verbo. So they're collecting the nightly rate information and when and bookings, right? So they 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 have historical data and some future looking information. Not only that, my my one recommendation to people, if you're unsure of where to invest, just pick a couple markets to start out with. Look on AirDNA and just go straight to the bottom to the top performing properties. There's don't try to recreate the wheel. There's clearly a reason why these properties and the and you'll see they're clustered in certain mm. zip codes or certain neighborhoods within a market. So you can immediately funnel out other areas that people aren't spending money on, right? Uh, from va- from a vacation standpoint. So I know where people are willing to spend more money, where they're renting more frequently. And not only that, I could drill into all of the listings and I could see what amenities they provide, right? Mm. In Nashville, you may want to have a themed place. You may want murals. If you're in the mountains or a lake or traditional vacation spot, you may want like a game room, a theater room. Are you catering to families? Like what are people willing to spend more at and what do they not have at home that they want to pay for when they're on a vacation with their, with their spouse or their family? So those are like the biggest things. And from there, you just work with a realtor and make sure that you're, you find a property that fit those criteria that is also zoned eligible for whatever the local short-term rental permit or regulations are. Um, so yeah, not not to overcomplicate it. And then from there, you just you run the numbers. You could look at the average daily rates, uncomparable properties, what you think the occupancy would be, and then of course your debt service, your operating expenses, and that's ultimately what we're after, right? Our cash flow and our cash and cash return. Yep. Nice. So that uh, I mean that makes a lot of sense to me. You're using to AirDNA and you're looking at where top performing properties are already located. Um, you don't want to reinvent the wheel. You're not going to try to force people to, to take a vacation in a place they don't want to take a vacation. So you're looking at properties only in those areas. Um, I zone, zoning that was actually one of the questions that I had. How do you, um, you know, getting into laws and especially like HOA laws and all these different restrictions that you have when it comes to short-term rentals? Um, is there a quick and dirty way to do this, or is it really just manually, like even hiring a VA to go out there, call the HOAs, um, figure out which ones allow short-term rentals, um, call the zoning board, figure out if you're allowed to do short-term rentals, um, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. I think the easiest way is starting out. A lot of cities have gotten a lot better probably over the past three years at publishing information and solidifying what their actual rules are. Cause it was kind of the wild, wild west, like five to eight years ago. Um, now, if you, for example, if you guys go to, we were just talking about Nashville, go to Nashville, literally just Google the city name and then short-term rental permit or vacation rental permit, usually the first or second 
thing on the Google search is going to be on the city website that shows you if there are different types of permits, like owner-occupied, meaning you live in the unit as your homestead and rent out other rooms, or if it's a duplex or a non-owner-occupied permit, which is what most investors are looking for. And then they'll have criteria, like are the, do they restrict them in certain zones, like certain residential areas? And they have each city has their own weird acronyms, right? Like RM20, for example. Um, but for me, to expedite that, work with a realtor, you give them your criteria and work with someone who's familiar with those rules. Because if you're looking in multiple different cities, it can be a little bit of a headache to, and time consuming to go figure out all the different rules and nuances. So if you work with a realtor, they can just feed you properties that fit your criteria one and two are already eligible for a permit and abide by the local restrictions and laws. And that way you don't have to worry about it. Now, double check them, of course, just to be sure if you find a place you're going to put an offer in on, but that would be what I would my, my first recommendation to save you a lot of time. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, next question I had was bed, bath, and then size. You know, buying a five bedroom house or a one bedroom house, it's going to attract different types of people, different types of groups. Is there a specific um, bed bath ratio that you like to focus on, a specific footprint that you like? Um, what advice do you have for that kind of thing? Uh, each market's going to be a little bit different. So, it, it, typically in urban markets, I honestly like smaller places that are focused more on the location because if you get into like a four bedroom condo or penthouse, it's going to be cost you an arm and a leg. So it's a little bit more cost prohibitive. Um, so if you can find a, I'd rather have a place that is really close to the action. So if you're in a city that you can walk to downtown, walk to restaurants, walk to a concert, walk to a professional sports game, that's going to be big because those are the things people are going to be doing. Um, and vacation markets, I focus on bigger properties. Now with the bigger properties you go after, it, it does limit your competition a little bit because typically the purchase prices are a little bit higher. Um, and there's usually less competition as well. Um, so it just depends on the market. But again, rely on that data that you have out there and run analysis on a one or two bedroom property. You can also run on a four or five, six bedroom property and see what is typically spitting out the higher cash and cash return or ROI that you're going to get. So see where your money's going to work harder for you. Yep. Makes sense. Uh, now let's talk about management. Um, you know, short-term rentals, it's a lot more intensive than a single family long-term rental. Uh, what advice do you have for management? Do you have, do you generally work with, you know, short-term rental, um, property managers? Do you do it yourself? Uh, how do you guys manage that? I usually push people to self-manage starting out. And of course you can leverage a VA to help and just teach them your operations. But if you set it up correctly and leverage the right software, which Honestly, software and tech has democratized short-term rentals for the everyday investor because you no longer have to operate locally with an office and cleaners on staff and handing out physical keys. You can have smart locks. You can send codes automatically through your property management software. You can price automatically through price labs, other dynamic pricing tools, and then just use local cleaners and sync calendars with them. Um, but if you want to outsource, you know, definitely interview different property management companies that I, I don't recommend going with like the giant ones, like the big casas, because honestly, they're just, they're probably just too overwhelmed with growth and acquisition and you're going to get lost in the numbers. And if they're charged 20, 30, 35% in some cases, they better be bringing in a lot of revenue for you to make it worth it. Um, so I, I self-managed for three years. My wife and I did with actually no VAs. We just kind of, you can automate a lot of the messaging through tech again. So it only takes like 30 to 60 minutes a week per property to manage on your own. Um, and then my you know, business partner and I, uh, someone who actually took the course I created several years ago, came to me and he was co-hosting other properties in his market and said, Hey, let's start a property management company. So at first I was like, no, nah, no, nah, I don't want to do that. But then I was like, you know, it's actually a good opportunity 
because there's a void in the market where there's so many PMs that are lagging and not adopting tech and doing a disservice to the homeowner. So we started Home Team Vacation Rentals and we're one of the fastest growing PMs in the country. We've just completed an acquisition of like 115 properties on top of our other. So we're going to be about 230, 250 properties a year oh, in. Good job. So yeah, appreciate it. So yeah, I mean, we're we're doing a decent job trying to stay agile um, with staff and tech, leveraging VAs where we can. But my recommendation, just to answer your question, start yourself and see what you can manage and then outsource when you need to. Because the amount of cash flow you're going to generate in addition to if you are outsourcing management by doing it yourself will help you replicate and invest again, right? It'll increase the speed at which you can uh, have another acquisition. Yep. Yep. Makes sense. I always, uh, especially when you're getting in, in, into a new asset, just being able to manage it yourself, um, at least for a little bit, gives you a really good idea on how to create processes when you start to hire. And so I like that advice. Um, last question I have before we move on. Shoot, it just left my mind. Uh, <laughs> I was thinking of a question that I thought would be really useful for everybody to listen to, but we call we, gay, we call this dad brain. You have a two a two week old or two month yeah. old. I forget <laughs> you said like that's dad brain, man. You you're probably running on fumes right now, so no yeah. worries. There you go. I'm glad you understand. For everybody else, uh, I just had. Well, I think I mentioned this on an earlier podcast. Just had my uh, baby Astrid. She came two weeks ago, so my brain is super foggy. But people are rolling with me, like uh, like Michael. I appreciate you. Um, so I'm going to take that opportunity to move us into the quick question round. Are you ready? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Starts with books, any form of education. Give me two recommendations, one for general life wisdom, one for real estate specific. Um, general life wisdom, and it's more or less a sequel of rich dad, poor dad, but cash flow quadrant, it gets very repetitive, but a couple, I, what I like about certain books is just like, what are like the one to two key takeaways that I can actually apply to my life and make, make change, meaningful change. And what I liked about cash flow quadrant was just the idea of addressing risk in life and what is actually like truly risky to me. Um, I always was very risk averse, afraid to invest my money and learning that I'm going to trade time for money for the rest of my life. If I don't take that risk, all of a sudden it became a lot riskier to rely on employer for the next 40 to 50 years and hope to retire someday. So um, that like mindset shift was like the biggest takeaway from that book. And then there's a lot of great real estate books out there. One that I just remember, and it just got me super hyped and motivated and understood things like return on equity um, was The Millionaire Real Estate Investor, which is mm -hmm. a classic. And I recommend yep. that to anyone. It's a su super solid book. A lot of great takeaways there. Yep. Yep. That's a good one. Yeah. I had that uh, that aha moment um, earlier in my career about risk. I was in corporate as well. And I was just uh, kind of working, working the grind, thinking that was the safe way. But if you really think about it, um, they can get rid of you in a second. And even if you are, you know, you have the risk of making your own business and making it successful, that's still within your control. And so I, uh, I like the risk of me pushing forward versus me relying on other people to, um, to push the push the the bill forward. So, like that, I'm going to move us on to the next question. This is for your younger self. So let's go back to the Michael who had no experience in real estate. He was still cold calling uh, with that tech company way back in the day. Go back to him, look him in the eye, give him one piece of advice moving forward. Pay for mentorship, mm. hands down. I was always on the mindset, and it's probably instilled in me, maybe just from like my father's generation, but like just like take your time, save money, figure it out on your own. And I was did that for so many years and I kick myself for it because now I invest in myself as much as I can. And it the ROI and the time at which you can accelerate your journey to whatever you're looking to accomplish, real estate investing, building a business, coaching program, whatever it is, by having somebody who's been there, done that, 
will like 10 to 100x the speed and the ROI you're going to get on whatever you spend on that mentorship. So free or paid mentorship, hands down, I would have, I wish I would have done that earlier on. Yep. Good advice. All right. Next question is about your business. The first three positions we hire form the foundation of our business. Um, so speaking of your short-term rental company, uh, what were the first three positions you hired for? And would you do it differently if you did it again today? Um, specifically for setting up our investments, I would probably say, I wish we would have hired like a director of guest communication earlier. Mm-hmm. That was like one of our first hires for our management company. Because what, what you have to work on the business, not in the business. And for two, it's kind of going back again to outsourcing or paying for mentorship, paying for your time back. Um, that was the toughest part because they don't, the biggest time suck in vacation rentals is guest communication and communication with your cleaners. And you could teach a VA to do that in no time. And it would cost almost nothing, you know, a few yeah. bucks an hour. So that would be the biggest thing I would have done different nice. um, for the first hire. That makes sense. All right. Um, next question. Uh, this is a good one for short-term rentals. Uh, the United States is a big place, a lot of opportunity about, out there. So give me the metro you're most excited about investing in today. Uh, this is the most common. I get asked this like 15 times a day. And uh, to be honest, there's not one specific location I'm gung-ho about compared to others. I will tell you like the general criteria that gets that gets me excited. Um, there's there's two different types of markets. There's urban markets or metro, and then there's vacation markets. Uh, let me, I'm just going to focus on vacation markets for this specific question. I want to be at a, in a vacation market that's medium to large, that is driving distance. So like one to four hour drive from one or more major metropolitan areas that are growing in population. Hmm. The reason I want that is because if those metro areas, let's say uh, Nashville, Tennessee, growing city, Gatlinburg, Smoky Mountains, already the number one most visited national park in the country. Well, that's driving distance from Chattanooga, Knoxville, Nashville, uh, Atlanta, Raleigh, Charlotte, all these major areas, Greenville, South Carolina. So the more people that move there, what do they want to do on their free time or, or when they have PTO? They want to drive to the nearest spot that they've never been to and experience the local thing that they move there for. So for me, it just creates longevity in your investments. And then to piggyback on that, if you do invest in metro areas, growing population and growing in tourism. Makes sense. All right. Next question. Um, and this is actually the question I was thinking of earlier, but we're going to ask it now. Uh, software, it forms the backbone of our business. So what is... Um, I'm going to ask the top three software tools that you use in your short-term rental business uh, that you could not live without. AirDNA. That just gives me historical data and some future hooking information to ensure that I am forecasting correctly and I can make uh, data-driven decisions on my investments. Uh, secondly, would be property management software. It's hands down the most important part of your business. Um, it, it saves you a substantial amount of time and it can allow you to operate on multiple different OTAs like Airbnb, Verbo, direct booking and manage everything from one central location and automate a ton of things. And do you use like, a, like I use that folio? Um, is, do you use something like that or is there something specific to short term rentals that you feel there's is? A, mm-hmm, there's a bunch of different property management softwares out there. A lot of them accomplish. Same 95% of the same thing. A couple have like a nice features. We currently use Guesty. Um, A good entry level one would be Hospitable or Guesty for hosts. And then Guesty for pros or Hostfully or one of those uh, bigger ones if you you want to grow or manage other properties for people. And then the next one would be uh, dynamic pricing software. The one Mm. we currently use is Price Labs. Uh, I would also recommend checking out Wheelhouse. Andrew and his team at Wheelhouse are phenomenal. Um, But both of those tools are leveraging, again, data in the marketplace. And some machine learning and and other things to 
predict pricing, dynamically predict pricing based on what your competition is priced at to help you get not not only you know more uh, dollars per night booked, but help you get booked on nights that ordinarily demand is not super strong. So it might lower your prices. So you know you set a bunch of customizations and it will tweak it based on information they're pulling in the market. So those three tools, those three softwares among others, would be the most important. Yeah, and I would imagine short-term rentals um, are very price sensitive, and so if you, uh, it's very important to raise and lower your prices. Um, you know, even midweek during the season, all that kind of stuff. Oh yeah, and the biggest mistake people make, and this is why old property managers are really failing their homeowners, is they just a lot of them still set blows my mind. Hundred dollars a night every day of the year. Christmas mm-hmm. no different. July fourth no different. Wednesday midweek during slow season no different. I'm like, what are you doing? You know. <laughs> And then they're they're missing money in busy season, and then they're not getting booked in slow season. So, like, if if your property manager is doing that, you guys should leave tomorrow. Yep, makes sense. All right, next question is about finding the deal. Uh, it all starts with finding a, the good deal. So, what is your favorite way to source leads? Um, honestly, it's not going to sound super sexy, but I literally just look on Zillow. And I reference, I kind of draw on the map, like you can draw a line. When you look on top performing properties on AirDNA, those clusters I mentioned, you can just draw a line on the Zillow map to mm-hmm. reflect where those top properties are and then filter based on the criteria that you're pulling from AirDNA. And yeah. once you have that, you could just share that info with a realtor too. And anything that pops up on or off market, they could feed them to you. But um, outside of that, the best way is just to work with an experienced realtor who un- hopefully they even have their own short-term rental investments, but they've worked with other short-term rental investors. Um, so like combine those two things, you guys will find good deals. Yep. Makes sense. All right. Next question. Second to last question. This is about mentors. Mentors, uh, none of us are islands. We all stand on the shoulders of giants. So give me one mentor or multiple mentors who have contributed significantly to your career today. Um, I would say someone I paid for mentorship is Cole Gordon and his uh, Closers IO group. Um, so when I built my coaching program, um, I had been doing this for a while and realized that I was not structuring a lot of things right. I was doing everything myself. I was basically a solopreneur. So when I paid them, I paid them a lot of money and it was a hundred times worth it. But they helped me build an actual sales organization and build like the fulfillment side on the back end of the coaching program and help me basically who I need to hire, when I need to hire them, how to structure a comp and all that. And my business is like 10, 10x almost overnight since working with them. So as far as just like mentorship, as I was referencing earlier, I wish I would have done stuff like that earlier. Um, but it's made me a better coach and better mentor to to my clients and students as well. So that'd be the biggest impact on just like any of the businesses I'm involved in today. Nice. And that was at closer.io, you said? Closers. Yeah. Closers.io. Cole Gordon and his whole staff. Um, they're, they're great to work with. All right. That brings us to the very last question. This is for the listeners. Uh, you've given us a lot to think about. I'm sure people want to reach out, get in contact with you, learn a little bit more about BNB Investor Academy. So actually, first, tell us about BNB Investor Academy. And then second, tell us how can people get in contact with you? Yeah. BNB Investor Academy is one of the biggest and fastest growing uh, coaching and mentorship programs for those looking to start and scale a very profitable short-term rental business. Uh, we teach buy and hold, arbitrage, co-host, partnerships, like the whole gamut. So you can start with 
little to no money um, and, and scale it really as big as you want to. I'm a true believer that short-term rentals are the fastest path to financial freedom. My wife and I became financially free in 12 months and our goal was 10 years. And we, <laughs> we kind of stumbled into that like, holy crap, like this is really possible. So seeing that happen for other people follow kind of the similar or the same blueprint that we put together is super rewarding. Uh, but we've, you know, I've taught over a thousand people over the past three years. Um, and we have a six month coaching program with over 25 coaching calls per month. So the fulfillment side is very in depth and serious. And we have a lot of specialty coaches like legal taxes, accounting, property management, all sorts of stuff like that. Uh, so if you guys want to learn about it, you can hit me up on Instagram at mElefante6 or just go to bnbinvestoracademy.com. Cool. I'll put that in the show notes, bnbinvestoracademy.com. So if you guys want to get involved, and reach out to Michael, just go ahead and click the little more in the description. It'll pull down the full description and in there you can find the links. All right, man, that wraps it up. Thank you very much for hopping on the show. Yeah, appreciate it, Gabe. Thanks. Absolutely. For everybody who's here with us today, thank you guys for showing up. You are the reason we do this. So if you guys have any questions whatsoever, reach out to me, Gabe at the Real Estate Investing Club.com. And if you guys want to support the show, all we ask is you give us a like, subscribe, share, all that jazz. Other than that, I hope you guys have a great week. Keep rocking real estate. Get some sleep. I know I need to get some sleep right now. And I will see you guys on the next episode. All right. Before I officially sign off, I have a quick announcement to make. If you're interested in becoming a passive investor in one of my deals, my own company, Kaizen Properties, is looking for capital partners for our upcoming projects. We invest in what are known as recession-resistant assets, mainly self-storage facilities, mobile home and RV parks, and industrial properties. If you're interested in investing and would like to learn a little bit more about my company, our investing criteria, and some of the previous projects we've done, go to the Real Estate Investing Club podcast at therealestateinvestingclub.com and scroll all the way down to the bottom of the page. Click on the Invest With Us button. That'll pop up the investor form, fill that out, and we will reach back out to you as soon as we can. Or if you prefer a little bit more of a personal touch, you can reach out to me at gabe at therealestateinvestingclub.com. So really, that is it. Again, it was a pleasure hanging out with you guys during this episode, and I look forward to seeing you on the next episode.